Have you ever struggled with doubts about the authority and necessity of Scripture? Have you ever wondered whether the Bible is truly God's Word and essential for knowing Him? Well, back in the day, in chapters 6 through 9 of his Institutes of the Christian Religion, John Calvin wrote a little something for you. Welcome to MarsCast, a podcast from Mid-America Reform Seminary, where our faculty address all things theology and culture from a Reformed lens. I'm your host, Jared Luchibor. The very foundation of the Christian faith rests on one critical question. Is the Bible really God's Word? In this episode, Dr. J. Mark Beach continues to explore John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion and his uncompromising view of Scripture. Dr. Beach is going to help us see, through Calvin's eyes, why we can fully trust the absolute authority of God's Word and how a right view of Scripture fuels vibrant spirituality. Check it out. Well, we continue to learn the Christian faith with Calvin. Uh, This time, we're looking at chapters 6 through 9 of Book 1 of the Institutes of the Christian Religion. Of course, we're uh, not going into great detail, but something of a summary scratching of the surface, but trying to elicit key points of Calvin's teaching on particular topics. Here, we face the uh, necessity of Scripture. Calvin made clear in uh, previous chapters that there is a knowledge of God uh, from the sense of divinity that's in us. There is a knowledge of God from the creation and God's providential care of the universe. These all bear testimony to him. Sufficient testimony is to leave us without excuse, but because of our fallen nature, we uh, suppress what's made known. We deny We use even our intellectual gifts to muster arguments to uh, deny God's existence or his goodness. And uh, all of this uh, further reflects that we're broken and need divine rescue. Calvin explains to us that we need Scripture as part of that divine rescue. That is, we need a fuller revelation of God, a clearer revelation of God, not something in which we contemplate from our own hearts or uh, think of uh, via our own conscience or contemplate with our eyes in looking at the created order. But we also need the Spirit to commandeer our ears and through our ears, our hearts. And so Scripture comes along by which divine revelation, God's revelation to us, is offered as remedy, as a better help. And Calvin talks that way, that humans need another and better help, he says, if they're to seek the true creator of the universe and not succumb to some form of idolatry. The self-disclosure of God, then, that comes to all people through the created order isn't enough. So no, creation can't get it done. We're not going to serve God. We can know God, suppress it, hate God, deny God, twist that knowledge of God, but to serve God right, to know him in communion, to know him as redeemed people, saved in in fellowship with God, that takes God uh, bringing a special revelation of himself, that is, through the scripture. 
to melt away our false understanding and give us a pure knowledge. Calvin has a a famous line in chapter 6 of book 1, where this is how he likens this knowledge that comes through Scripture. Just as older, blurry-eyed men and those with weak vision, if you thrust before them a most beautiful volume, even if they recognize it to be some sort of writing, yet can scarcely construe two words, but with the aid of spectacles, eyeglasses, will begin to read distinctly. So, Scripture, there's the analogy. Likewise, Scripture, gathering up otherwise confused knowledge of God in our minds, having dispersed our dullness, clearly shows us the true God. Scripture makes it all clear, specific. This, therefore, is a special gift where God, to instruct the church, not merely uses mute teachers like the creation, but opens his own most hallowed lips. So, Scripture is definitive here. The knowledge of God that Scripture gives us is of a twofold nature, a knowledge of him as creator versus idols. So, it gives clarity to the the knowledge of God and creation. So, it even teaches us about the knowledge of God through creation and a knowledge of God as redeemer. And this is what's key. So you know God is your creator. You'll know him as foe. You'll know him as your judge. Even though he gives you good gifts and fatherly favor and kindness, you'll, you'll also know him in his disfavor and his judgment. But the scripture teaches us not God just as our creator, but also as our redeemer, as the one who comes to the rescue, who quickens dead souls, the God who finds remedy for our sin, and particularly that in the person of the mediator, who's our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. So Calvin's chief concern in this chapter is to show us first how Scripture reveals God as our Creator, that against idols, and then God is our Redeemer. So God's the architect of the whole universe, the fashioner of all that is, and how we ought to think of him and uh, get rid of the idolatry. And then beyond that, God is comes to rescue, comes to fellowship to us, comes to uh, bring forgiveness to us. So he talks, Calvin then talks then about this twofold knowledge of God as creator and as redeemer. And the scripture, now God opening his own mouth, speaking words to us, uh, speaking uh, to our capacity in language we can understand such that we can gain knowledge of God. That teaching of Scripture also helps us now to contemplate the creation, to see our, our former rebellion, our, our uh, twisted idolatry, our, our, our waywardness, our misbehavior and sinfulness. And by becoming a, a student of Scripture, we're enlightened to the way we should go, the way of faith, a way of the right knowledge of God, which Calvin says the right knowledge of God is born of obedience. Isn't that interesting? 
the faith that would trust God will love God, will want God's way, will will God's will, will seek the way of obedience. So he's very clear. Scripture is a necessity. He spends some time talking about that, that without Scripture, without this special revelation, communion with God is not something that will happen. By means of it, though, we can have communion with God. He says, suppose we ponder how slippery is the fall of the human mind into the forgetfulness of God and then every kind of tendency for lust and fake religion and false ideologies and so forth, then we may perceive how necessary some written proof of heavenly doctrine is. Uh, We can't do without the Bible, with God speaking to us. So God's revelation in Scripture provides us with a knowledge of him, of God himself, which we can't contemplate or receive or come up with through creation. Uh, We need a revelation of God's mercy to us for our redemption. And we're utterly lost unless God does that for us. Well, in fact, he has. But let's say we have the scripture. What good is a scripture that isn't believed? So in chapter 7, Calvin talks about that Scripture needs to be confirmed by the witness of the Spirit. That is, we need the Holy Spirit to convince us that Holy Scripture is holy, that Scripture is God's Word, not just a human word, not just human opinions or ideas or or religious experiences or what have you. It's essential. And so how do we come to know Scripture has authority and that it's God's word. How is it authenticated as such? Well, first, it's authenticated from God, not the church, says Calvin. The church can only offer a human testimony. We need the Holy Spirit's testimony that Scripture is the word of God. With that being convinced by the Holy Spirit, which is faith, isn't it? I believe the Scripture is the Word of God. The the Holy Spirit has convinced me, has testified to me, and persuaded me that Scripture is the Word of God, and now it accordingly functions for me with authority. We all know this. You can appeal to the Bible to an unbeliever, and they don't believe it's the Word of God, and so it makes no impression on them. Well, that's just what you think. Uh, Calvin's aware of that. And that's why the Spirit's testimony is so essential. To believe the Bible is God's word, to live under its authority, requires the Spirit's testimony in our hearts. I I think sometimes the church has strayed from this fundamental teaching of Calvin. Uh, Calvin will later talk about certain proofs as kind of uh, supplemental aids to this testimony, But that's all they are. There's faith, it's God's word, and now there's supplemental aids. But sometimes the church tries to do it the other way around. Let's look at supplemental aids, make them fundamental (laughs) to it all. And then the spirit becomes sort of an addendum, an afterthought. Calvin says this is quite wrong. It never works. And no one's going to believe the Bible 
by human authority and testimony that it's the holy word of God. Only God himself convinces us of that. Well, Calvin describes this as the inner testimony of the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, is the author of Scripture, and so he's the best one to witness to its truth and authenticity. Calvin's quite clear about this. The witness of the Spirit is stronger, he says, than all human wrought proofs. Thus, the highest proof of Scripture, he writes, derives in general from the fact that God in person speaks in it. There you go. God's speaking to us. This is the Spirit's testimony. See, you never have the Word of God without God in his Word speaking. So that you could say, well, yeah, it goes together. I'm speaking. It's my Word. So what is the authenticity of my Word? Well, me speaking. <laughs> All the more so with God and his word, the testimony of God speaking in it, speaking to us. The testimony of the Spirit is more excellent than all reason. You can give reasons, he'll talk about some, but those reasons won't convince you. The Spirit will convince you from God's word itself. God's word is its own authority, and he speaks with authority in it. And it won't find acceptance in human hearts before it's sealed by this inward testimony of the Spirit. I kind of emphasize this point that Calvin uh, teaches the self-authentication of Scripture because uh, some in the Reformed tradition and the wider Protestant tradition have strayed from this fundamental fact and try to convince the ungodly and the worldly that that which they deny as word of God is word of God, not by the testimony of the Spirit, by, but by uh, proofs we seek to offer. Again, proofs, sure, but proofs that convince believers who believe already, not unbelievers who are not going to believe in any case. In fact, Calvin is so bold to say the only people who believe that Scripture is God's word according to the testimony of the Spirit, is the elect, because it's finally the elect who are the believers. Well, in chapter 8, he goes on to ask the question or address the question, how far human reason can offer some additional aids, supplemental aids, demonstrating the authority of Scripture. For, for Calvin, this is mere addendum, it's, it's uh, in vain to try to fortify Scripture's authority through these additional aids, but you can certainly appeal to them and to a person of faith. Sure, yeah, they're confirming. So what are such things? What are some of these youth, useful aids? Well, he says, once we've embraced Scripture devoutly as its dignity deserves, then yeah, we can go to some additional arguments such as, well, first what it's not. You're not going to look at the Scripture and say, oh, look, at here is a book of such rare eloquence. It says, no, most of the time the Bible gives us truth in rude simplicity. So it's not really, uh, it's, it's not a book of great rhetorical flourishes, not as a whole in any case. So that's not why we turn to the Bible. But what we do find is that miracles uh, 
uh, are evidently uh, true and manifest as such. Prophecies come to fruition in various ways over time, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. We see how the book itself has been preserved and uh, kept intact and, and authentic and reliable and, and so forth. But again, he's going to come back to more than all of that. Scripture bears witness to its own authenticity and its own, its own truth, because there we hear the voice of God, the truth of God, the word of God, the law of God, the gospel of God, uh, the good news of salvation for us, and the Spirit testifies to the same. Calvin concludes his discussion of the necessity of Scripture by turning to uh, a topic of error, what he terms fanatics, uh, other times in the church history have been called enthusiasts. Uh, others might talk about uh, them as mystical-type believers who, while not denying Scripture, finally sort of, in his terms, abandon Scripture, flying over to Revelation and cast down all the principles of godliness. What is he talking about? Well, particularly he's talking about the libertines in his day, the sort of people who have mystical experiences of the Holy Spirit, the Lord tell, told me this, the Lord told me that, and they sort of rather um, boldly separate their mystical experience from Scripture and its teaching, as if we have new revelations from them or private revelations for them that have this co-authority with Scripture or Scripture simply uh, isn't uh, consulted or submitted to. Uh, he calls such people as carried away with frenzy. He calls it a heinous sacrilege to tear word and spirit apart. He writes, The spirit promised to us has not the task of inventing new and unheard of revelations or forging a new kind of doctrine Sometimes in the modern church, we've heard people uh, say that the Holy Spirit has told me, and then what he tells them is blatantly, fragrantly against God's revealed teaching in his word. Well, Calvin warns us, you know, the devil likes to go about as an angel of light. And just because of that, he's such a deceiver. We can't look at our own musings, feelings, in our own heart, our own sort of what's swaying us without being grounded in Scripture. So we cannot distinguish Satan's work from the Spirit's work unless we make use of Scripture and look for the discerning mark of Scripture, the Word of God given to us. Because God, the Holy Spirit, is not going to say one thing in his Word and, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery and then tell you in your heart it's okay to commit adultery, to offer an example I once heard uh, not long ago. It's the instrument by which the Lord dispenses the illumination of his Spirit to believers. So, yes, there is illumination of the Spirit. Yes, the Spirit takes the Scripture 
and uh, applies the word of God to our hearts. Yes, we get convicted of the illuminating work of the Spirit in our hearts, but this isn't a kind of mystical revelation that comes alongside of Scripture or has authority alongside of Scripture or usurps the role and authority of Scripture. But no, it illumines the Word of God to our hearts, to our minds, and our lives. So let's stick to the Bible is what Calvin's saying. Now, maybe just as a little summary here to wrap up, there's a knowledge of God, a knowledge of God through the sense of deity in our heart, suppressed, twisted. There's a knowledge of God in the creation and his providential care, denied, smothered, ignored, but not offered back to God in true worship and devotion. So God comes to the rescue in Holy Scripture, convinced of it by the Holy Spirit, illumines, use the work of the illuminating spirit so that we, we can take hold of, repent and believe and look to Christ for our salvation. We hope you enjoyed this episode of MarsCast. In upcoming episodes, you'll hear Dr. Beach continue his journey with Calvin, Reverend Ipema share wisdom on habits in pastoral ministry, Dr. Strange carry on his church history series, and Dr. Compton discuss reading the Bible as story along with a special guest. Please consider subscribing and telling your friends and family about the show. Your support helps us to keep producing engaging content and build a thoughtful community of lifelong learners and thoughtful practitioners. I'm Jared Luchibar signing off for now. See you on the next episode of MarsCast.